did a young girl who grew up in an unusual home with little knowledge of the Bible become a respected Bible teacher? This is the radio broadcast, Hope for the Heart. I'm Joe Wolf, and that little girl is our own June Hunt. June sat down with her friend and partner in ministry, Tanya Bredeheft, for a candid conversation about her life. They talk about hurt, anger, forgiveness, and much more. Now, you'll hear Tanya mention that Friday, this radio program will be transitioning off the air. But the ministry of Hope for the Heart and June Hunt will still be around. I'll tell you more about that after today's conversation with June. Let's listen. June, I've been looking forward to getting in the studio with you. Over the years, we've traveled a lot together from one end of the country to the other and even out of the country. And today we get a chance to give your listeners kind of an insight to a bigger, broader picture of Hope for the Heart and how God has used you to reach millions of people over the years. Transition is a normal part of life, and we're going to be having some transitions here at Hope for the Heart. And beginning on October 2nd, our daytime broadcast will be transitioning off the air. But we have some new exciting things this week that we're going to be talking about and sharing with our uh, listeners. But today I want to give everybody a little bit of a glimpse of how Hope for the Heart got started, and it really began, God began to use you early on in your life. And we know that life is messy. You and I had a conversation (laughs) yesterday. Life is messy. Right. Unfortunately, (laughs) we don't always like to talk about the Mm -hmm. messiness of life. I think we're afraid to be judged. You know, we're afraid that we'll be embarrassed by people um, not understanding the messiness that's happening. And you have always been, in, in the time I've known you, transparent about the messiness in your life. And I think it's encouraged others to speak up. Can you share a little bit about growing up and maybe some messiness in your life that people may not know about? Well, it took me a long time to share because it's a challenge when your dad has three families going on at the same time. And even figuring out what was going on was challenging for me uh, as a kid. We were the third family, and I grew up with a fictitious last name. I was June Wright, spelled W-R-I-G-H-T. And uh, what I was told was that what my parents were doing was right, even though it was wrong. <laughs> and so my father had a, a family, a wife, and other children. And then either at the end of my high school or college, then a, a man came to me. He said, now, I'd seen him a a number of times at our home, and he said, Now, uh, you know that you're my half-sister, don't you? And I said, No, I wasn't aware of that. And he said, Yes, um, there are four of us in Atlanta. And I said, Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, what, what, what do you say? And so I just knew that I couldn't count on anything just because I thought something, everything was so unpredictable. So, June, I'm curious, how old were you? Just to give context to our listeners, like what point in your life, how old were you when that began to become evident? I think there's a transition. I remember being in school somewhere before seventh grade or eighth grade, and I heard some people talking about this particular man, and and I thought, oh, that's my father, but yet he doesn't live with us, and everything is not clear, because I was told different things about why my my dad wasn't at home, and I didn't know really what to believe, and I didn't question, because I, I did not want to bring pain on my mom, who was just very, very sweet, 
and genuinely always thoughtful, always kind, and yet she had this uh, relationship with uh, this man, double her age, and there was a point at which his uh, first wife died, and we moved into his home. I remember it distinctly because it was around my birthday, and I just remember it was not happy. It wasn't pleasant. So how do you get from that messiness uh-huh. to coming to Christ and being grounded in Christ? What what was that transition from such confusion and messiness to how did Christ come into your life? Did hmm. someone help you with that? There's There's got to be a transition to get from there to where you are now. Well, my dad um, was not a believer at all, and he said, Christianity's a crutch. Uh, he said, I'm not a Christian. I don't have to go by Christian ethics. Uh, that was actually after I was beaten only for the first time by questioning him and challenging him. But what I can tell you is my mother had us in church. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't a biblically-based church. I had no idea of one verse in the Bible. I do know we went to church, and even though Mother had no boundaries, the only non-negotiable for her was that we would be in church. And um, then Dad got very upset with that denomination and heard bad things about it, um, the way he interpreted it. And so next thing I know, he is actually going to this biblically-based church with us, meaning he, he selected this particular church and some people invited me to a Sunday school class. I was probably 15 by that time, and I'd never seen anyone open a Bible or even when a pastor would say, you know, according to this scripture, and everybody goes, and they just turn there, and I think, how do they do that? No tabs. And the young people, they were able to actually go there. And I thought, that's like a magic trick. I really believed. It's like, that's like a magic trick. No tabs, and they just go there. And so it was so stunning to me. I was quiet. I was concerned about answering questions uh, because there was some transition of my last name. All of a sudden, somebody says, a teacher says, June, are you, um, what, what name shall we call you? Your brother is using this name, Hunt, and, and, but you're going by right. And, and I said, well, if he's going by that, I'll just do, I'll do the same. It is very difficult when you have all these unusual situations, meaning I had nobody that I could compare to who had my situation. So when you got into Scripture, it sounds like once you were at a church where the Bible was the focus, did that begin to open up things for the journey to move out of all the messiness or start working through the messiness that Christ was in you? Was there a point in time when you, I get it? Well, I was hearing words I'd never heard before. I didn't know Christian language. I call it Christianese. And now I did know a song. Uh, It was amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And I could sing that. I had no idea what grace meant. And I remember thinking, I know it's supposed to be positive because it how sweet the sound. And, but it was kind of people, it was in our culture, meaning someone made it famous who wasn't a Christian. And so I was hearing language, 
And in this Bible class, this phenomenal teacher, I began to live for Sundays. I still was not a Christian. Oh, by the way, I was asked, June, are you a Christian? And I said, yes. And I was sincere. I was sincerely wrong, too. I had no idea what that even meant. I just thought it meant, did you, it's like join a club. The religion that I was a part of initially was called a Christian denomination. So I I didn't know there was so much more, so much more. But what convinced me was I saw in the lives of young people, I'm talking about high school students who clearly had something I didn't have. I didn't know what they had, though. I didn't get it. And now I began to see people walk down an aisle to come to pray to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'd never seen that before. And I was listening. I was watching, not asking questions, because I didn't even know the questions to ask. And I remember thinking, well, if that's Christ as the answer, uh, how do I know that? And yet I couldn't deny what I was seeing, the quality of these youth that were grounded in the Word of God. So I was very drawn, and I didn't want to miss a Sunday because clearly there was something that I wanted that I didn't have, but I thought, oh, what they have is knowledge. I thought they have all this information. Yes, they had information, but they had transformation. They were transformed by Christ by receiving him personally as their Lord and Savior. But I didn't even know that language. I think for those that didn't grow up from day one, being in church and and memorizing Scripture, which is so important to the foundation of your relationship with Christ, is understanding Scripture and living Scripture and letting it live in you, that so many people that become new Christians or don't understand it, they just think others had it. It was Mm -hmm. just there. So to hear this story from you is really encouraging because I'm going to say what you described is probably how especially someone at your age in your teens would have struggled with. You know, it's like a different world. I remember thinking, this is like a culture that I've never even known about. Imagine walking into a wonderful large banquet and a buffet that's overwhelmingly full and all you know is baby food and that's what I Mm. equated it to beautiful analogy Mm -hmm. and and I didn't even know the banquet existed much less the all the different foods and then there was church camp (laughs) and I was invited to church camp well Oh, everybody's, oh, yeah, it's great, all this. And there were 600 in the um, senior high department. And so, uh, yes, I went, but I thought, okay, let's see, what do you do at camp? So so I went to a trick store where I, I bought some itching powder and stuff that I thought, I know, you're <laughs> shaking your head, but but I, I thought it was, you do tricks and stuff. And uh, then uh, all of a sudden, here's a Bible class. And here's a missionary. I've never seen a missionary before. And so I was hearing all this, again, brand new. So I went up to one of the Bible teachers, actually my Bible teacher, and I said, how do I know if I'm a Christian? I think I am. And she said, well, June, if you're not a Christian, would you be willing to do whatever God would say to become a Christian? Long pause. 
I thought, what does that mean? I'm analytical. I happen to love math. Math makes sense to me. My math equation was, I'm not a wino in the gutter. I'm not living some adulterous life. Why do I need to be saved? You're a good person. People always say, they're a good person. Yes. And so I thought, but they say that the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I thought, but I do believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. The young people said to me, June, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Christ himself. And I'm thinking, no, Christianity is a religion, but I didn't verbalize that. And I thought, why are you saying that it's not a religion? It's a relationship. But whatever that relationship is, I didn't even know about it. And so finally, I said to the teacher, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what you mean to have a relationship with Christ. And I didn't know there were scriptures like, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. What do you mean in you? Well, he doesn't force his way in. It's as many as received him. To them, he gave the right to become children of God. So I had to make a decision. Will I go by my past experience, or would I be convinced by the word of God, what God actually says? And I was given scripture that showed that this is the biblical position, but it was really the quality of the lives that I saw before me that convinced me I am willing to try it. Now, I didn't have faith as big as a mustard seed. I'd say maybe an eighth of a mustard (laughs) seed. I was willing to go by virtue of what I kept watching people do, come down, pray to receive Christ. And the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, that person's a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. So really, here is a woman. I could believe her. I felt she had credibility And in my life, there was no credibility. There was nothing assured. And yet there was a substance here of of what the message was of life change. And so she clearly heard that I did not know. I did not have assurance of having Christ in me. So she asked if I would want to pray to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And I said yes. And basically, it was a prayer like, God, I I don't know much about you. I realize I need a changed life. And so I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my life, to take control of my life, to be my Lord and Savior. And so I just give you control. I've been you know, it was like I, I had no fancy prayer. I wondered, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to have tears. Well, I didn't see any lightning bolts because I wondered, you know, because I, I'd seen all these people come forward. And I thought, no, no lightning bolts, no writing in the sky. But I can tell you later I noticed a change that I didn't expect because I didn't think I needed to change. Oh, ho, ho. but uh, I had bitterness. I had unforgiveness tremendous anger toward my father, unspoken. And so 
I noticed for the first time there was an actual ability for me to have forgiveness. I needed that, but I didn't know I needed it. In fact, I thought forgiveness was wrong. Tanya, I honestly believed that that can't be right because now you're just letting somebody off gonna, the hook. So you, it's like, why would I let them off the hook? Where's the responsibility in that? The yeah. analytical part of you mm -hmm. is saying that's not fair, that's not right. Mm -hmm. And yet the truth is the whole reason Jesus came to earth wasn't to live a perfect life, even though he did, but he died on the cross willingly to forgive us of our sin. It would mean that then our sin would not be counted against us. It was for forgiveness. So forgiveness is not minor. We've all blown it. We've all chosen wrong. We all stand in need of forgiveness by God. And uh, all this I did not know initially. So I have a question for you. For a listener who's out there, and they think they're a Christian, but they're not sure you, you were blessed with someone that knew the word well, that mm -hmm. knew the questions to ask you. So what would you, what advice might you give to a listener who says, you know, I've kind of been a Christian, I've, you know, I've tried to be a good person. What would you suggest that, who do they need to seek out? What, what should they mm -hmm. do? I remember a man coming to me. He told me that he had done this and this and this. He said, but I don't think I'm a Christian. And he prayed some prayer. And he said, I, I don't understand. What, what does it mean to really be a true Christian? I said, what is your business? He said, uh, I'm in sales. I said, so do you deal with contracts? He said, all the time. I said, think of it this way. Would you be willing to trust the Lord Jesus Christ in this way? Uh, Jesus is God. God cannot lie. Is it possible that you could think of this as a contract where you're signing your name at the bottom of the page? And you say, now, Lord, I'm willing to give you control of my life. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life, but I don't know what you're going to do. But you write the terms. I'm signing my name. I'm willing. I'm willing. And he said, this is the first time this has made sense. And he did pray that prayer, and I got multiple letters from him and his wife. And it's saying, thank you, it changed my life. So sometimes someone may not know what to do. They might not know a particular prayer to pray. You know, it's not the words. It's the attitude of the heart. And are we willing to yield our will to his will? Are we willing to die to our own self works and I'm doing this. These are my self-efforts. And instead, Lord, you paid the price already. It's your work that mattered on the cross. And you're the one who has the plan for me. And the Bible even says, I love this scripture. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. This is where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So would you be willing to say, all right, Lord Jesus, I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm giving you the control to write the course of my life. I will cooperate. And that's what signing the name at the bottom of the page is. 
you're you're saying, okay, based on the character of God, I would not advise to do that with any human being. But God is the one who can be relied upon 100%. Not only does he love us unconditionally, Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. So he meets the need for love, for significance. He says, I know the plans I have for you. You're that significant. He already's got a, he's already got a plan for you. He's already concretely planned it for you that's going to work. And then he gives you security. And I had no security in my life. And so the fact that the Bible says the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That was astonishing. If you humble your heart and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to worry about him coming and going. You receive him as your Lord and Savior And he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So it's not questionable. It's not like a a father who's here, but we never know when he's going to come back again. Um, It's guaranteed by God that he will secure us. So he meets those three needs, and that's why you can sign your name at the bottom of the page. Because it was Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so I don't believe he lies. I know he doesn't lie. And I know from firsthand testimony, he not only received me, I had nothing to offer him, but he was willing to receive me. And literally, by virtue of his sacrifice on the cross for me, he invited me to come into his family, which he does for everyone. He invites us all to be a child of God, not just a creation of God. Everyone's a creation of God. Not everyone is a child of God. Based on John 1, the very first chapter, you see this, and you think, oh, how special is that? And you're never unadopted. He adopts you into his family, and then you're never unadopted. It is a security that lasts forever. June, everything you've shared is so encouraging. I can't think of a better way to transition today's show. And tomorrow, we're going to pick up with what God did for you when you were a youth and bring you to some new things after college that are really going to be the beginning of Hope for the Heart before you ever realize they were even the beginning of Hope for the Heart. You're listening to a special week of programs here on Hope for the Heart with June Hunt. By now, you've probably heard that this Friday, October 2nd, this broadcast will transition off the air. But June and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart is not going away. First, we want you, our listeners, to know how grateful we are for you. You can listen to June anytime, anywhere on her new website. That's junehunt.org. Again, junehunt.org. You can also listen to her on her nighttime radio program, Hope in the Night, and follow her on Facebook. You're going to hear more from June tomorrow, but right now, here she is with a message about hope. The common view of hope in our culture is quite different from Christian hope. If you live by cultural hope, you'll have a boat full of wishful thinking, and what you hope for will sometimes happen and sometimes not. 
However, Christian hope is based on the Bible. The Bible says, when your hope is anchored in Christ, he will teach you his truth and lead you in the way you should go. The prayer from Psalm 25:5 is yours to claim. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. When we live with Christian hope, we have an anchored life. We're held steady in the midst of the storm. For more about this hope, visit hopefortheheart.org. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Thank you for joining us today. Meet us back here tomorrow for more Hope for the Heart.